0: Listening to episode four of season three of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, The Star.
1: Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm Diana, and we're going to be talking about leadership in organizations.
0: Leadership and organization happens at all levels and takes many forms.
1: Uh, Diana, this a couple of days ago, I got a new uh, issue of the Harvard Business Review, the uh, May 2013 issue, mm-hmm. and there was a title on the cover that caught my eye. It's a case study called The Unmanageable Star Performer. Mm. So I started looking at it, and I was reminded of some of the situations uh, I've encountered with that issue that we've encountered when we've been yeah. doing redesign kind of work um, that I know you we've talked about in terms of um, teams. So Certainly. Yeah. I, so I thought it might be kind of an interesting topic to talk about because you know it's not like like it, the story in here. Um, is, well I'll lay it out for you because you haven't had a chance to see it yet. Not yet no. So it's the story of a consulting firm that decides to uh, open a new office in India and they send one of their top consultants who happens to be Indian over there to uh, set the office up, hire staff or whatever. And a year, eighteen months into this process, he has built this this office into the most profitable office mm-hmm. in the world for this firm, and everything is going along swimmingly from the point of view of revenue um, and and new clients and that sort of thing. But they, this firm also gathers. Um, quarterly or semi-annual statistics on turnover Mm -hmm. and what they begin to notice at the home office is that the turnover in this office is very high so they send one of the partners over there um, and he talks with a bunch of people and he gets the sense that People do not like working for this individual that started the office, and let's call him—I think his name in here is VJ. VJ, okay, VJ, V I J A Y. Right. And um, the the long and the short of it is th- this story is set when the home office partner is going back for the second time because. The grim statistics from the first go-around are even worse the it's second worse. time around. Okay. And the, and so it's obvious that there's a problem there in terms of, of staff turnover. and he But he's given the mandate by the senior, senior partner that under no circumstances is he ever to say anything again like he did after the first visit that would cause VJ to get on his high horse and bolt uh, because they need him they need they, they need, need the re- revenue they need the revenue they don't need
0: him they need the revenue
1: well yeah well yeah. they think that that's the same thing <laughs> right and so the injunction to the home office partner is okay you can go over there and try to fix things but do not upset VJ. do not let him feel like he's under the gun right. or he'll he'll leave. Yeah. Well, what's a conscionable good guy to do? Right. Um and in fact when he goes over there he finds out that people hate working for this guy, that he sets unreasonably high standards, that he works basically round the clock, and that if you don't work as hard as he does, he thinks you're Chop liver, yeah, you know, that, that you're yeah. a slacker. Yeah. So people don't leave the office until midnight. And then they are um, supposed to be answering even more emails or whatever. And they have no life. And it doesn't matter what they're getting paid because they have no life. And if you're working 24 hours a day, you can't spend whatever money you're earning anyway. And people yeah. say they're learning a lot. They appreciate that this guy, VJ is brilliant, that he knows how to run um, a consulting engagement like nobody's business, but it is, from their point of view, unsustainable. Okay. So um, I was reminded of that project when we were working um, for Bonneville years ago, mm-hmm. and there was that one guy who was supposed to be technically so brilliant right. that people went through nip ups yeah trying to work around him keep him happy cuz nobody thought they could live without him and we finally just said no yeah this is not going to fly this is impossible yeah. and wasn't it amazing that they survived after that he left that they survived after he left yeah, yeah. And I've just been running into this, well, in terms of um, some client work last year, an individual who, again, had a set of technical skills um, that no one else in the organization had. They were willing to accommodate, accommodate, accommodate. And finally, I mean, the disruption this person was causing was just... Right. It showed up everywhere. I, I finally just said, "I am not coaching them anymore. I have done everything I know how to do. They are an impossible person. We are never going to be able to satisfy what they want because, right. you know, it's just not within our power. Can't pay them enough. We can't give them enough status." If they are feeling that undervalued, then
0: by God, they really need to leave and go where they can feel that they can feel valued yeah. because it ain't here. Well, so I'm curious about. I know in the in the I haven't seen my issue of the Harvard Business Review yet. So, uh, but I know with these case studies, they all always have a number of commentaries. Right. So, can you just summarize real quickly what <laughs> the commentaries? Yes. The 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 core core point of maybe each commentator
1: well this one um had four commentators and uh and then the the fifth one that was the part of the article yeah Uh, but these were the side commentators and they were more tactical Mm -hmm. about when and how the home office partner should talk to, to vj Hmm. But they all seem to feel that on some level they, it was how he talked to him, not whether he talked to him. Because they all saw, the three out of the four, saw that the price yeah. was really high. Right. The fourth commentator made me laugh because he also actually runs a consulting firm. And his comment... Uh, it, May I read right. it? Sure. Yeah. yeah. His comment is VJ is not the problem. He's doing exactly what he's paid to do, bring in clients and revenue. The consultants need to adapt to his behavior. If they cannot handle a difficult boss, how are they going to handle
0: an extremely aggressive or difficult client? Right. That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, you know, I, as I'm listening to you describe this, I mean, of course, I haven't read the article, so I don't know what all right. everybody did or who did what. But it strikes me that there's a path that I'm not hearing anybody talk about here, which is to give, you know, VJ all his props, you know, for... I mean, he's he has done an amazing job. He's bringing in a lot of revenue and 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 his his people say that he they know they have a lot to learn from him, mm-hmm. and then maybe there's the opportunity here to say, Vijay, we want to help you become an you know it's clear you have high potential here that you're already you're already meeting a very high standard We'd like to help you become even better, and the way you become even better is to understand more about um, about what it's going to take to sustain this over the long haul and and then begin to talk about I mean you know maybe some of the people he's hiring, you know, sounds to me like he's hiring the people mm-hmm. and he's hiring people who are not a good match for him, or he wouldn't have so much turnover. So I'd be talking to him about the turnover and strategies that he might use to reduce the amount of turnover in the sense of, you know, is he hiring people who are a good match for him? It doesn't sound like he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, he has a particular style. He needs to have some maybe more self-awareness about his style and what's going to fit. I mean, you know, there is the whole uh, thing that you refer to, you and I have run into, where somebody really has to be a part of the team and is the star performer part of the team and very often when they leave we discover that their performance was like holding everybody else's performance down and you get better from everybody when they're gone but this guy's a boss mm-hmm. and and that I didn't hear you say anything about difficulties that he's having with his peers, the managers of other offices. Yeah, the article
1: mar- really didn't
0: comment yeah. on that. and if that, you know, so this is a boss mm-hmm. d- reports relationship that's gone awry. Mm-hmm. And I think there's the opportunity here for his, his his bosses, the the home office folks, the directors, to help him become even better at what he's doing. Not send him away, but offer to give him more attention, more help. To, you know, maybe one day become a partner. I mean, I would begin to hold out those kinds of things to him. as like, if you'd like to be a partner, well, here are the additional... Guy, I think the guy is a partner. Okay, well then, whatever partner. the next yeah, level sure. is, you know. If you want to reach the next level in our organization, here are some additional things that we need you to focus on. You know, right. how you're hiring people who are compatible with the way you work. Right, right. Um, you know, and so... I mean, maybe he is, you know, a not very nice person to work with, which it certainly sounds like. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, I don't, I don't know much about the sort of consulting culture in India, mm-hmm. which may require a certain. You know, I mean, he's doing very well there. Mm -hmm. And so there's some reason that's happening. Mm -hmm. But also I know that there are um, a lot of folks available to hire in India. Mm -hmm. And a lot of very smart folks. Mm -hmm. And it may be that he's not as savvy about how to assemble his team Mm -hmm. as he is about the other parts of what he's doing.
1: Well yeah and and in essence the um the the um conclusion in this article uh, yeah. which is which is um the one that right. is you know part what? and parcel of yeah. the article in essence takes that kind of a strategy uh, okay. and says it, what rather than criticize the turnover in the office in essence, say, you know, we think you're doing a great job. We right. think you're doing a great job. But because, it, because we see this pattern here, it's clear that here are some additional things that we, we would like to give you some support yeah. to focus on, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Da. Um, and uh, But they also make the point, and I think this is a good one, that no matter what you say to someone like this they may decide to walk yeah and that before you do that if you're the manager or the person who's got the responsibility to set those wheels in motion you need to make sure that you've discussed this pretty thoroughly with your boss right and the people right at the highest levels of the organization so that you don't get caught up short, right? Because if if you were to engage in this kind of conversation with someone like BJ yeah. and do it brilliantly,
0: but he decides so he may decide to walk for any number of reasons right. having nothing to do with communication, right. from but that if it got office. pinned on you, right,
1: you would be toast, yeah. right? So so it, you need to make sure that that it's not just your Intervention—that it's a wider intervention, in, you right. know, that with the backing of up and down the right. organization, so that you don't wind up with egg on your face right. for you know trying
0: well, to do the right thing. Well, and I would also—I um, mean, anybody, anytime you have somebody that at least some parts of the organization are beginning to think of as essential or indispensable, you're running a very high risk. Because they could be gone... I mean, in, in software, we talk about it as the truck factor. Exactly. So, you know, who gets... Somebody who gets, gets hit, hit by, by a bus. Truck, right. how many, well, how, no. How many people would it take to be hit by a bus before it shuts down the whole project? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the lower that number is, the more at risk you are. Uh-huh. And if that number is one... It's very, very risky because you, you know, things you just sink the whole ship with right. one person being gone. And that person may go for any number of reasons. Sometimes we call it the truck factor, the bus factor. We also have called it the lottery factor. I mean, a good thing might happen to this person and they go. Oh, right. right? Like they win their lottery. Yeah, okay. they win the yeah. lottery or, yeah. you know, they get a better offer, basically. Sure. sure. And folks like this who are so. Um, so uh obviously to everyone such great performers mm-hmm. it's so well known that they are mm-hmm. that they are performing at this level it it's very possible someone will try to lure them away oh, with absolutely. a better deal
1: absolutely. right
0: absolutely. and so so there's also that's another piece of this issue i would say is that and and i guess Either that home office needs to be grooming somebody to be taking to take mm-hmm. his place, or they need to be communicating with him that you know it is it's not okay for someone to be indispensable. They value his work, but he also because they might want to move him somewhere else. He also needs a succession plan for that office. Not that they would get rid of him. But that they might need him to go do the same thing somewhere else, right, then what happens to right. the office right, and so there's the whole sense of it it's just it's just a very high risk situation to have this person there and um and and behaving in the way that he's behaving, of course mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: but it just seems to me that there's a lot of room for taking. In this instance, taking a high potential person who's really exhibiting, you know, very great skill and helping to coach them to become even better. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're coachable. If they're coachable. If they're coachable and that's, and if they're not, then, then looking around to see who else are we going to be able to groom mm-hmm. in a succession planning kind of way, mm-hmm. um, I think also becomes very critical.
1: Yeah. Because I think there's nothing
0: and worse. having a plan for that, right? Absolutely,
1: yeah. I think there's nothing worse than an organization feeling like they're being held hostage, right? by By one person right. who becomes such a prima donna uh, that they think they can get yeah. away with murder. Because not only um, is that wrong to me ethically, yeah, it I think. I think it becomes an issue of short term versus long term. Right. Because in the short term, they may be producing these great results, but long term, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable, no. and it and it erodes the um, credibility that you have as an organization with everyone else.
0: Right. Where they gets out
1: if they see that yes. you're tolerating, right, essentially unacceptable behavior. In one person,
0: just because they can provide right this, this kind of well revenue. And, I, and I think there's also there is also the cultural issue here of i I think there would need to be some investigation about is what he's doing um considered unethical or or um uh, you know kind of beyond the pale in in that culture in that business culture and you know it, it very well could be that the that as I kind of mentioned before is that what he's doing is perfectly acceptable and all the other business people would look at what he's doing and say well absolutely this is the way to do work you know, that wouldn't be comfortable for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But maybe there, I don't know. Well, except and the
1: turnover tells you something. Well, the was... turnover
0: tells me he doesn't know how to hire. That's what the turnover tells me. I see. Yes, well, it could. It, you know? Certainly it could. Yeah. And, and if you look around and say, well, wait a minute. If we do a little cultural study and we discover... None of the other consultancies are behaving mm-hmm. this way. None of the other client mm-hmm. businesses are behaving this mm-hmm. way. Well, then, that, right. mm-hmm. then yeah, word gets out. Eventually, yes. all those people that are turning over, they're showing up someplace else. And right. they're telling stories about what it was like to work there. Right.
1: And that they
0: do describe that in yeah. this article. Yeah. That
1: people are going and bad-mouthing the firm and right. saying it was a terrible place to work and that that is beginning right. to kind of stick to the firm itself. Right, yet. well,
0: and to the firm as a whole, not right. just the Indian office, right? right? right, right. So, um, yeah, I mean, there are all those longer-term implications that I'm a little bit surprised that the home office isn't sort of paying more attention to. Well, because they are being They're, blinded yes, by the, the revenue, glamour yeah, <laughs> by the
1: revenue numbers right. and by the fact that this office in such a short period of time is their right. star performer right you know so how yeah. often have we seen that
0: yeah 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 it's um it's interesting and in, in a team in a team situation Having a person like this, it becomes a um, becomes both is a threat and an opportunity and so generally, what we coach in term in in a team situation is give this person something additional to do tell you know if they are such a star performer, if they really do have these skills that are beyond what anybody else has. Then their job is to spread that skill among the, among the other team members. Their job is to mentor. Their job is to pair with people so other people so other people's skills are lifted mm-hmm. up to where theirs are. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can't do that, if mm-hmm. they are only willing to do the work, then we start looking more closely at really what is the work they're doing, because sometimes we discover that that. Well, we, we discover a number of different things. Sometimes we discover that they're, you know, they are a legend in their own mind, so to <laughs> speak, and, and just are really able to give themselves good publicity because when you look at their code or you look at their output, it's not something anybody else can work with. Uh-huh. You know That they're producing this thing that they say that is somehow everyone has begun to believe is so fabulous, but it's not really fabulous because nobody else can work with it.
1: You mean because it's too idiosyncratic? It's too
0: idiosyncratic. It's not written in a way that anybody else uh-huh. can understand uh-huh. it. You know, many many things like that. So that's you know, and at, at that point, that's not a star performer, mm-hmm. right? Because um, nobody's going to be able to maintain that code, right? So then there are, um, and then there are the folks who really truly are just good, and who can. But, but, who also have this ability to help bring other folks up, and those are keepers, right? You really want those guys. then there are folks who um who are good but somehow at everybody else's expense, mm-hmm. and the very fact that that they are so good has the whole team kind of working around them, and that depresses the potential for everybody else's performance and productivity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're so uh, they're also in service to this one guy's productivity that nobody else is really performing as well Mm -hmm. as they could Mm -hmm. and so um getting that person moved elsewhere Mm -hmm. raises then you get higher performance out of everybody else Mm -hmm. so there's a number of different scenarios i mean and there are more but there are a number of different scenarios that can happen when you have someone like this on a team Uh uh-huh that um that you know, we can look at and say, is this, is this person a keeper or aren't they? And it could go either way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But but this boss direct reports relationship is that's why I was curious about how much interaction he needed would need to have with the other uh, office man office directors partners, yes. partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know if there had to be any kind of collaboration there because that's another place to look. Mm-hmm. I mean, is he behaving one way with his direct reports and another way entirely with his, with, um, his peers? The, his peers? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, if I see somebody who's really nice with their peers mm-hmm. and nice with their bosses but crappy to their underlings... We don't trust them. We do not trust them. Right. Right. And, and it would be wise for the home office not to trust him either. Right. If that's, that's really always nice. a toughie because that's a hard one.
1: when somebody's really good at sucking up like that,
0: yeah.
1: um the people who are being suck, sucked up to often don't see yeah. below. I mean that's that's the kind of thing that like an outside consultant I think can really bring or yeah. three sixty, you know, can yeah. um can really bring some
0: perspective to. Um I'm always shocked at that. Because when I've been in positions where I've had people mm-hmm. sucking up to me, it's I'm always very aware of it, but and, that's, it's, and it's icky. It's of just course, icky. It's very icky, right? <laughs> but then I guess I don't. Maybe, I mean, I have. I certainly have an ego, but maybe I don't have the same kind of ego as as some of these yeah. other folks do, yeah. or something. I don't know. It just seems so obvious to me. I know and that it, kind it, of behavior. It's amazing yeah.
1: how often you see that and people yeah are just very unaware, yeah, and you know, I think well, certainly, like in my my personal experience in corporate life, I mean, one of the ways that I remember at United Airlines that that they really tried to work to have that not happen mm-hmm. was that there was something it was very much established that in a well-run organization, part of the organization, there was going to be level skipping. So that if if the senior guy needed some information, he wasn't bypassing, you know, the manager yeah. who worked for him if he went right directly to the staff person. Who has, you know, the, who information. has the information. Who the information. right. And that that allowed a more freer flow of information up and down, and then people weren't so surprised at what was happening below. Right. But there were always parts of the organization that I would see where that didn't happen right. and that told me something about right you know what was going on there and so when there's a real rigid hierarchy yeah. i think that that's one of the things that contributes more right. to that um invisibility and
0: that barrier right. uh which is unfortunate yeah whenever i see that i also often wonder if those those senior people in that organization ever played the game of telephone when they were a child? <laughs> it's like how many how many layers do you want the information to go through before it gets to you? Right. And and how in the world can you trust it then? Right. Because right. you cannot help but alter the message a little tiny bit. Right. Through through each layer. I mean, right. It's just not going to arrive pristine in no. any way. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know, I always felt if 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 you were a manager um and had people working for you, that how great it would be if they could feel as open with your boss as yes. you want to be with your boss and thereby and as you
0: want them to be with you. Exactly. Right. That yeah. that
1: it's that it's all Part of the team and the right. the circles and the circles you know outside right. that core group, and when that doesn't work well right. um, boy what a what a dampening of energy yeah. and and enthusiasm and a sense of right. um collaboration and camaraderie
0: right. Yeah, yeah. Some future podcast we should talk about some of the things that we're learning about um, other other structures of organizations than the hi- than the pyramid hierarchy. You know, the whole idea of the networked organization where more people have access to more other people than than in that more rigid hierarchical kind right. of way of working. But right, um, but that's a whole podcast for another time. I think. Yeah, okay. Because that's, that's a big topic. But um so what else do we have to say about star performers? What other what other issues do we see come up beyond what they bring up in the in the Harvard Business Review article?
1: Well, um I guess I was wondering if there are other categories of star other than just you know what 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 other capacities could somebody be showing that would be considered so important to the organization that they would be, uh, in essence, that if other things weren't working well, that would be tolerated? So, obviously, being a rainmaker, yeah. generating revenue, having brilliant technical yeah. expertise... um. You know, I, uh, that reminds me of, uh, I have a neighbor who is a neurologist by training and also was extremely adept with computers and all that stuff. So he has become the guy who guides on the computer right. screen or whatever when, when neurosurgeons are doing nanosurgery. These teensy, weensy little parts of the brain. He's guiding them with the computer stuff. They're wearing headphones. I mean, I don't even quite get all of this. But his skill set is so rare. Yeah. To be that brilliant about the computer side of it and having been a neurosurgeon and all of that, he basically got recruited to the job he's in from someplace in Florida, that I think they basically said he could name his salary. Um, he gets offers all the time to go here, there, and everywhere because he has a skill set that is so rare. Right. right. Um, so when you talk about somebody having a technical skill set, yeah. n- it may not be technical in the sense of... Um, um, you know, writing great code or whatever. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it be any number. Any yeah. number yeah. of technical disciplines right. or certain engineering disciplines where people put one or two, three bodies of expertise together right. and right. there becomes this unusual right. um, junction of information and yeah. knowledge that they right. have. Um, so now I lost my train of thought. But anyway, well, that... Well,
0: that's, that's a certain kind of star in an organization. Absolutely. And... And, you know, probably is indispensable if you really cannot find anybody else to do that. Then I I guess you, you know, you're looking at some other kind of strategy around, you know, what do we do? You know, I mean, you still got the truck factor, you know. I mean, he still could get hired away by somebody else. You know, how, what we need to have a plan for that. Right. And, um, and I, so I think that's a piece of it. Another um kind of star performer performer I think is somebody who really understands the customer better than anybody mm. or the customer's industry or domain or whatever you know it might be. Give me be. an example. Um well hmm, let me think. Um well I've been in a couple of organizations where um their the, the people that they that they work with, uh, medical supply, right? So uh, an organization that um where they're building um mass spectrometers and things to do that kind of work has to really also under has to understand the chemistry of it, but also has to really understand the the world of the people who use the mass spectrometers. Uh-huh. Right? What what is their you know what are, what are they looking for what is their world like what mm-hmm. you know and that's not you know you don't run into somebody every day who you know who <laughs> right. isn't at, who isn't doing that work but has knows that, that world ad, but, yeah. but knows that world so it's that kind of mm. thing where where you really just understand the world of the customer so well mm-hmm. that being able to build things for them or market to them or whatever whatever the relationship might need to be right becomes very important and sure. so, um, again, it's you know, it's how do you transfer that knowledge? How do you make sure that that they aren't the only person that has that knowledge? How do you get them mentoring some other folks and bringing them along um, in such a way that you're you know building the bench strength? Right. You know. Right. That there's always that that question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think with all of these different kinds, I mean, some like your nurse, neurologist friend um, is you know that's going to be a lot harder to do but still I mean it's really about the only thing you can do is see what you can do to support them to spread what they know yeah so that you're not you're not it's not such a risk yeah
1: Right. Well, and I know that actually in his case, that's exactly what yeah. he's doing because he does quite a bit right. of teaching and right. that kind of thing. And um, I think he was just one of the early early adopters. Right. So. Well, um, and that,
0: I think that happens more when there uh-huh. is kind of a new technology or a, 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 just a new area of any kind. There are people who go there first. Yeah. And are those pioneers or early adopters and uh, who are going to gain that knowledge more quickly so the issue of the irreplaceable star performer i think is um can be a bigger issue in sort of the disruptive technology areas and the new areas that come on people right now i mean you know the whole world is looking at um or the rest of the world anyway is looking at people who can really understand how to work in China. Mm, mm-hmm. People who can understand really how to work in Africa. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there's that kind of cultural and geology mm-hmm. um, understanding as well that can, can cause somebody to be a high performer because they know how to work in that world better than their, better than anybody else in the organization or any of their peers. It reminds me of
1: a, um, let's see, it's my cousin's daughter who um, was a really smart kid and when she loved languages and had studied French and Spanish and whatever, and one day somebody I think turned the light bulb on for her and said, what you should be studying is Arabic. And so she went to the University of Chicago, studied Arabic has gotten a PhD and is a in her late twenties is really on the track to becoming a full professor because she's fluent now in Arabic and she's teaching Arabic and Arabic culture. And of course we don't have enough people in no. this country right. who speak, understand, you know, anything about that part of the world. And so there's a huge demand for her skill set. Right. So even though she just had a baby, yeah. she can say, well, I want to teach that course uh-huh. at that time. Thank you very much. Yeah. And the university is very happy to let her do that. Right. Yeah. She can kind of name her ticket.
0: So we're kind of getting, it's It's interesting because in the in this discussion of what might be a problem for an organization, but from the case study, is also you know, if you want to be that indispensable <laughs> right. person, right? How do you go about? That? How do you go about identifying a niche? A niche, um, you know, and then be nice, right? <laughs> right, that would be good. Also, also learn how to collaborate, work collaboratively, how to spread what you know. Um, And that actually, I think, not only do you have the, we'll just use the term in its broadest sense, technical niche. Right. But if you also can know how to work collaboratively and if you also can know how to help others learn what you know, then then you are even more valuable. Right. So
1: it kind of comes back to that old thing about you know, knowledge doesn't have to be something that you guard and hoard. Right. That you actually can in- increase your influence and increase your power, if you will, by by sharing it, by but, giving it away, by, by teaching others. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right.
0: Well, so we came to an interesting place about starting from this article. It yeah. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we'd be curious
1: about other people's experiences good, bad, indifferent uh, about star performers that you've known and loved in your organization. So if you've got something to share, we'd love to hear from you. And we'll be talking with you again soon.
0: Please leave your comments on our blog or email us, leadershippodcast at gmail.com. This has been episode four of season three of Partnerships and Possibilities.